core problem we are trying to solve is observability. If you run something in production, if things go wrong, how do we monitor it? And when such problems happen, it's always a hair and fire problem. So the key use case we are trying to solve is to help people who are running applications in production to get proactive alerts much faster and if some issues happen, to be able to solve it much easier. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line we've got Pradey. Pradey, you're with Signals. How are you doing? Hey, Bidoggy. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, doing good. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us uh, what you do and how you got here? Yeah, sure. So I'm Pranay. I'm one of the co-founders and maintainers at Signals. So Signals is an open source observatory platform. You can think of us as an alternative to Datadog, Relic. Yeah, we started two years back. We're part of Y Combinator uh, with the 21 batch. And yeah, before that, uh, I was an engineer by training, uh, worked at Microsoft in the product management team. And before starting Signals, I was leading a product team. And that's where we faced this problem of observability that, hey, uh, if you're running a decently complicated infrastructure, if things start getting wrong, then you really need tools to uh, monitor it well. And when such problems happen, it's always a hair and fire problem. And you want to sort of figure out what's going wrong. And observability tools are a great way to sort of solve that problem, right? And the way we started was that in the in that company where we were working, I was working, I was heading the product team and basically the engineering team was under me and we would have incidents reporting that, hey, like something is going wrong, why don't you look into it, right? And we would have, uh, we would like get our, all the teams together, but because we didn't have good authority tools, we had like had some Prometheus and Elastic, but like not the complete tool set like which provides you tooling to solve problems quickly. And hence, we thought that, hey, like there's like open source tools currently like Prometheus, Elastic, which like do part of the things, uh, but there's like other closed source tools like uh, Datadog, like, which are like much superior, right? So we thought that, hey, like why is there a open source version of it very similar to Datadog? And being developers ourselves, that sort of seemed to be a, natural thing which we thought that they should exist in the world that because such tools are used by developers and dev- devops engineers right so why not have a tool which has all the signals like metrics traces and logs which are like the key three signals in authority which can help you solve issues faster right so that's where it started uh sort of thinking about it and i was chatting with my co-founder who was leading engineering teams at other startups. And then he was also facing similar problems. And we thought, hey, like, sound something good, which we can start working on. So yeah, that's how we got into building Signals. It's the the age-old problem of, of folks, you, like, you're working at a larger enterprise or a company, you see a problem, and like it's pretty consistent. Like Usually a lot of the, the bigger companies have like problems solved pretty well. Like you have some of the smartest engineers working on these problems, and it's like it's more of an afterthought to think of like observability 
at a Microsoft. And when you look at like up and coming startups, like our like Signal is up and coming startup. I work at Open Source. Like Heavybit has a ton of dev tool startups. You always reach for the thing to solve the problem because you don't want to solve that yourself or pivot your entire company on solving observability just so you could like ship for enterprises. Honestly, it's like when I take a step back and like after talking to so many folks and founders and maintainers and dev tools, it's like a common occurrence. And uh, I, I think there this world needs signals to to be able to reach for this, but also have the community and open source angle as well. So I'm, I'm curious, like with Signos today, like what is the focus or what's the ideal use case for folks to reach for it? Yeah, so uh, the key value prop of Signos is that we have, so, okay, so stepping back, so the core problem we are trying to solve is observability, right? Which is uh, if you run something in production, you have applications running in AWS, if things go wrong, how do you monitor it? Or how do you get alerts proactively if if you think something is going to go wrong, right? For example, you have APIs which your applications expose. What if these APIs are suddenly becoming slow? How do you monitor that, right? How do you monitor that, hey, my infrastructure is getting, like my CPU levels in my EC2 instance is getting, say, more than 80%, and how can you get alerts of that, right? So the key use case we're trying to solve is to help people who are running applications in production to get proactive alerts much faster, and if some issues happen, to be able to solve it much easier. And generally, this this problem is called observability, and it has generally three signals, which is one is metrics, traces, and logs. Uh, Metrics are just like time series, which tells you that, okay, this is a state of my CPU at this point, this is memory at this point, et cetera, right? Uh, logs are logs, like you send uh, events and that gets captured. And traces is it captures a request across the stack and then tells you like, hey, this request is taking this much time in this service and hence you should look into this service. Or this is taking this much time in this database and hence you should look into this database. So the key use case which you are focusing on now is really tying these three signals together. There are open source tools currently which has like, for example, there is Prometheus which solves metrics. Uh, there is Elasticsearch which solves for logs. But I think we are on our first one which is trying to solve all these things together in an open source way, right? Like we have all the metrics, traces, and logs and tie these things to as much uh, closely and uh, like uh, do it in open source. Way. So that's, that's the core focus. And the second key thing which we are doing is we are so there's a project called open telemetry which is which is a cncf project and it basically makes the instrumentation layer which is how you send data to applications like they provide sdks for that right and we are based on open telemetry natively so we are sort of working on top of this open source community and sdks and building the backend and uh, visualization layer for that cool so I guess the question I have now is uh, why open source this? You, you alluded to this earlier, but Datadog's not open sourced. Uh, a ton of these other products are not open source. They're usually like the examples or sort of like the, the sales process starts in open source where someone uses the thing. But Signos is open source. So like, have you seen any benefit on that? And uh, what was the sort of purpose of starting that way first? Yeah, so uh, like as I said earlier, right, like why we started with open source was that because we believe that these tools are used by developers and being open source is just like 
as developer ourselves, we always start with an open source tool uh, because one, you can just get it started much quickly, right? You can just start running in your laptop or running in your machine and then get set up with us. And then you also have a huge community generally around open source projects where you can like go ask questions. It's much easier to get help, right? And when we are starting and like when we're evaluating projects, that's where we're sort of getting frustrated with Datadog and like other closed source vendor that, hey, like you can start with the free trial, but there's no community around it, which can tell you like how you can start using it, right? Or like if you have specific questions, how, how does that work? So that, that we find pretty empowering that you can uh, see a community around it and like start learning that tool much faster. You can ask questions that gets answered pretty quickly. And what you've seen is that being open source just helps you get feedback from the community much faster. So that's uh, that's more from what has helped us in our product development is that even if people are not contributing code, many people are just uh, kicking the tires, using the products and sharing feedback, which I think is uh, very valuable, especially for early products, right? Because you want to get feedback from them. So, so that has been pretty helpful for us. Uh, Open source also helps a lot, especially for our case. Open source is very important because we are based on open, like we use open telemetry for SDKs. So uh, being an open source backend tool which consumes and visualizes that data sort of makes this the default sort of tool which goes with it, right? So you have an open source SDK and then generally being an open source tool helps you get embedded in docs pretty easily. Uh, like the community adopts it's much faster, right? So the whole uh, piece around getting feedback from people and then getting adopted by the community has been very helpful for us. Yeah, it, that makes a ton of sense too as well because like if someone can test drive this as fast as possible, that's the best way to sort of discover your customers through word of mouth and by having them be able to try it. So like my question to you is like how do folks, how does this embed into their their ecosystem and their their deployment platforms. You mentioned SDKs. Like, are we installing some sort of middleware to our our servers, or what, what's the approach? Okay, so the way people use Signos is that so you need to send data. So Signos is the backend data store and the visualization platform, right? Your applications and your infrastructure generate data. For example. Like if an API call comes, how much time it took to respond to it, right? So suppose you are tracking API latency. So the SDKs in your application code, like for example, your Python code, will capture that data and it needs to send to a uh, backend data store or backend platform. So that backend platform is Signos. Like it uh, listens to that data, stores it, and also gives you a front end or like the visualization layer where you can play with it, uh, create alerts, etc. Right. So the way you get embedded in the ecosystem is that, as I mentioned, open delimit, right? So they provide SDKs, which, for example, Python developers can embed in their Python code. And then you need a backend which understands that, right? And then sort of shows you graphs based on that data, etc. So that's where we get in. Like uh, we give you default docs for open telemetry SDKs and like how you can get, uh, like if you're using Prometheus exporters, how you can get your data into signals and then store that and visualize that. This is fascinating because like, I don't spend a lot of time in like the server side or the sort of cloud infrastructure uh, of products, but I'm, I'm aware of the space. And like, I think 
I think what we're actually kind of observing, because you'd mentioned open telemetry and Prometheus a couple times, even and just just recently, how do you install it? Like we have standards on how folks have been building software and building cloud and building infrastructure. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're able to adhere to some standards that folks are already using and the infrastructures that are building some of the best cloud providers that we we all love and use. But they all could use Signos because if you're using OpenTelemetry, you're familiar, or if you leveraged Prometheus in, in your setup, I think we could actually thank the folks like Kubernetes, obviously giving us like a standard for orchestration. But I think the CNCF, like those are OpenTelemetry and, and Prometheus Opera CNCF projects. So like now we have a, a we have a standard that came through open source that now is building our cloud infrastructure. And now we have tools like Signals that can play very nicely to that. So like, have, have you, I assume you've been involved in this space and seeing all the sort of the come up of all these projects. Like, What's your take on foundations like the CNCF? Did they just set you up for success to knock your product out the park and have pretty much everyone adopt it? Yeah, so open telemetry as a project is very interesting, right? So till now, till like before coming off open telemetry, what has been happening is that uh, each vendor like Datadog would have their own SDK and they would, uh, people would use their SDK and then use that SDK to send data to Datadog, right? Uh, New Relic will have their own SDK and then they will use that SDK to send data to New Relic, right? Few things are happening in this. One, everybody is creating their own SDK. So uh, you are sort of investing that R&D multiple times, essentially doing the same thing. Second, once the company starts using one SDK, it's very difficult to move out, right? So if somebody gets locked into Datadog's SDK, it's very difficult for them to move out to sort of New Relic SDK. And that sort of acts as a moat, but from a customer perspective, uh, it's become very sort of monopolistic environment, right? That essentially you are locked in there. You are locked into a particular vendor, right? Uh, what Open Telemetry is doing, because it's uh, standardizing that data format, saying that, hey, like this is the data format in which you export. And if any vendor or any open source project supports that data format, then that will work, right? And that has been very powerful. So as open telemetry is getting more and mature, more and more mature, and sort of we took a bet on open telemetry in like 2021 when it was still pretty early, and now it is seeing much more adoption, lots more bigger, bigger companies are using it. So if somebody today's instruments with open telemetry, they can choose Signals or any other vendor which uh, supports open telemetry format, right? And that sort of leads to much better innovation in like this layer, which is like backend data store and the visualization layer. Rather than just being saying that, hey, like you need to have a SDK also to understand that data and sort of that's like much bigger effort. So, so what essentially CNCF, especially around open telemetry has done is sort of commoditize the SDK layer uh, commoditize the instrumentation layer and then sort of open the platform up for innovation by different players on the visualization and data data store front right and which which I think is pretty interesting and we are seeing like today open telemetry is the second most active project in the CNCF community after Kubernetes yeah so it's really like lots of big companies are picking it up and we are seeing lots of sort of tailwind from that and we think that it has potential to unlock a lot more innovation going forward. So uh, as this data stream becomes, like the data format gets uh, standardized, right? So more and more tools can get built on it. Like there has been startups coming up which are sort of building test cases automatically based on this telemetry data, uh, which you can't do if you don't have like a standardized data formats. 
Yeah, I mean, this is true. And I think they, I mean, this podcast being Jamsec Radio, it's like always find a thing to help you solve the problem so you can solve the harder problem. And I think what this is, like, I don't need to get as in detailed of like learning personally observability for myself. I know the value of it. But like if I build a service to ingest data and then send data other places or a webhook service for my software, actually currently we just shipped a, a CLI built on um, Cobra. So it's like a, it's a Go CLI. It's got services in there. We will eventually have some sort of telemetry in there as well. It's a, a challenge with CLI tools is like telemetry. Like you got to start early because if you don't, people are going to question when you add it later. Yeah, but like, there's like some clear standards in how you can do that now, and feel like you're not you can do it anonymized and not feel like you're 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 sort of sourcing a bunch of personal information. Yeah, which I guess what Signal is like uh, is the data that you stream. It's all about uh, observability into your your infrastructure. So actually, let me build you a scenario, and uh, you pitch me on how I could leverage Signals in this. So, yep. Langchain is the thing where you could actually do prompts, uh, collect prompts, and then do some pretty cool things uh, that produce out of that. Sourcegraph has a, a tool called Cody, uh, which is like a very clear tool where you can take a repo, take embeddings, and then provide questions to, to prompt the, the Cody service to questions about your repo. Hmm. We're building something similar. It's a, it's an intern project. We're building the same thing basically using Langchain. It was more of like, can we build it, is the question that we had. And so we're, we're building it. Uh, and we're about to stand this up on Azure. But now we need to figure out because some of the when you do the embeddings for a GitHub repo, some repos will take about forty five minutes to to index, and some repos will take thirty six seconds. So like we figured out using Rust on how to make it more of a couple minutes, but now we want to be able to identify okay what projects are taking sixty minutes and what projects are taking three seconds, mm. and how can we index and optimize and provide a better interaction for the user. The answer I know is observability. Like we just put something in there to find out where the pain points are. But my my pitch to you is pitch me using Signals in this situation. Uh, yeah. So this is not like the typical use case they serve. Our typical use case is around application monitoring. And as of now, we are more focused on backend services and like front end services, right? So typical production services. But I'm guessing it's essentially. Uh, like if if it's a, like an application, basically what you can do is you can start traces there, which sort of tracks how much time a particular request is taking. Yeah. And if you track that, and then if you send that data to Signals, you should be able to see, okay, like if in your code, like they're like, say one process which take this much time, then second process took this much time, and third process took this much time, right? And so if you start sending that data, like that tracing data, then you can see in Signal that okay, like this much took this much time, this was took this much time, and then you can see like what are the type of things or like what are the queries which took how much time, and then you should be able to get that. It's not a typical use case which we support, but I guess like if you use tracing in this way, we have seen users who like use tracing in very interesting way. Okay. Uh, like they would use tracing to sort of test their dev environment. And like it's a, it's a, like they were testing a compiler tool, the performance of compiler tool using tracing. So I'm guessing that's something what similar to what you would be doing. So yeah, each compiler instruction would span out a set of traces, and then they would monitor that hey like why that took time, and then they would add events in those traces that okay, this took time, uh, this trace got fired, and this event was fired, and then 
monitor that more closely, right? So I'm guessing you can do that with tracing and events, adding events to that. Okay, yeah, I think that sounds like a good enough approach because like we have a front-end interaction where you submit the repo and then we send it to our server. The server does the work and then you could ask questions to it. And as you ask questions, we can we can, we can trace that experience. But it's that initial go embed, yeah. go find the embeddings of that project, hit the server. And um, what we've been doing, like, sorry, we haven't implemented this. Like, we've just been testing this uh, the past couple weekends. Uh, so what we've come to the solution is like, serverless function to tell them when it's done and that's as best as we could do so like it takes 25 minutes you get a little notification hey it's ready for your prompts because like that's the other challenge is like you you've got the captive audience you know it's going to take a while for them to go index this repo but they've already walked away started something else opened a new tab and we got to let them know hey thanks for trying us i know it took a long time uh we're ready for you to start doing some work with us and it's an interesting like situation for us because we don't have a lot of products and services that do this heavy lifting. It's a lot of like we're using the GitHub API, we're using existing services to power the product. But this is where we we have to do some computational heavy lifting. Yep. And like this is like one of the first first places we're kind of like trying to figure out some like um, hand waving onboarding experience, but also be able to track and trace this to be able to say, okay, it's getting better. It's not best. Which I, I do. I, I'll save. Uh, I'll save my pick uh, on how we're solving this uh, in the pick section. But I, I do want to say, uh, Prande, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, if folks want to get started, I think you had alluded to this again. But for just reiterating, uh, you've listened to this whole conversation. I want to try out Signals. I want to maybe read some documentation. Like where where did they go? Yeah, sure. I think uh, the first place would be just visit our GitHub repo. We have a very well made readme. So just go to GitHub.com slash signals slash s signals s i z n o z we have a pretty active slack community so uh, just go to signals.io slash slack if you have any questions on like uh, does this use case make sense for signals or like you're trying to do this and facing some issues just uh, drop a comment there and like we have we have today like around 2600 members in the slack community so somebody should be able to help you out and yeah like uh, go to signals.io slash docs if you just want to see how to get started. Sounds good. Well, thanks for the, that conversation. I want to transition us to picks. So these things, things that we're jamming on, things that uh, keeping us going throughout the day, could be music, food, uh, could be whatever your tips for working remotely. Yeah, all of it's, uh, all of it's valid. And if you don't mind, I'll go first. Uh, so I, I was going to mention, so we had this Octurnship program. So if you haven't checked out the Octurn program, folks who are listening, I had a great experience. I don't think I actually shared this as a pick, but I think it's like uh, education.com slash Octurns. And um, every, I guess, spring at this point, this is the first year they've done it, they get a bunch of college students to submit to do internships for open source projects. So they reach out to maintainers and companies that have open source, and you do a, a proper interview process. So we had about 500 applicants for our internship program. And the way I approached this is I had every single intern build the same project. Uh, so we all had like the same structure. Uh, and then everyone who built the project, the goal was to open up a PR with the project working. And then the, the ask was basically describe, like just like a normal code review, describe what you built. And because I had the same context to go to 500 other students, uh, technically about 300 did it. So 500 submit, like applied, but only 300 did the project. I did could just see like communication style, uh, ability to just solve the coding problem, code quality, and it was just like a great experience just to 
hang out with a bunch of students and get to know them and share our product with them. So we chose two interns that have joined us and they've been working on specifically AI features. Uh, the reason for that is like, everyone's got to do AI. So I figured let's just scope out some features that I would love to build, but we just didn't have the bandwidth to go shift the team to go work on some of this stuff. Uh, and it's been a perfect interaction because OpenAI um, has so many great interactions. And I would mentioned like Langchain is the thing that we started using just recently. And then one of the interns introduced Rust, one of our first Rust projects into, into our ecosystem. And what we saw was like first project was built in TypeScript, which is like the you know 60 minutes to go do the embedding. Uh, and then they introduced Rust, and now it's down to like 45 seconds to index the same repos. Interesting. Yeah. Do, it, do you use the wasm thing? Wasm like or do, do it like just convert? No, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's just straight Rust. Uh, we haven't done any yeah, haven't done any wasm stuff or anything like that, uh, or WebAssembly and converting. But no, it's um everything's on. It's a server application. Like we're still testing it. We don't have a front end for it yet. But what's been pretty amazing is just like seeing the benefit of Rust and like doing system design and system development. I, I just haven't been as close and personal with Rust uh, until very recently. So the Octantid program, the Rust language, definitely it's worth a try if you're going to solve some of these computational heavy situations. Um, highly recommend it. We didn't try Python. Like Python probably would have been pretty approachable as well. But yeah, they went straight to Rust and it's been interesting. I, I think Rust is generally much more like performance oriented. Yeah. People have been reporting it to have much better performance. Yep. I think my pick over to be like, I recently saw Figma recently introduced this developer mode and I spent a lot of time like designing products, etc. So that was pretty amazing. So if you go to that developer mode in Figma, you can see like the CSS, etc. made from uh, the designs directly and we could just start coding. Yes. I did see the an email come through about this. Yeah, and like that was pretty cool. Like they will give you the CSS files, etc., directly. So no, no need of like changing things and like figuring out your own CSS. And I think this would be loved by like front end developers uh, that after going from design to sort of CSS, you don't need to do much work. You can just go to uh, copy it, right? I'm, I'm just wondering, like with AI, can it? Like, does the role from going from design to the website directly becomes much easier? Because now if you can do this from design, you can go to CSS and Figma. Can you just also create React code from like those inputs as prompts? Yeah, I think it's really cool that what Figma has been doing with developers, like we've had all these like interactions and plugins to, you know, convert code into um, uh, from Figma. And uh, now they're like, they've just embraced the experience where for the longest time it was like I, I worked at GitHub, so we always try to get Figma integrations working on GitHub and I, it does work today. Uh, but now you see a, a trend where now you get trying to get developers to get <laughs> inside of Figma, which is always my thing's always been like, uh, just give me a screenshot <laughs> with like all the the pixels and stuff like that and I'll or a PDF or something and I'll, I'll work from there. I've just never found design tools as intuitive for me as a developer. Um, I'm getting better. I do like Figma today. But when I was full-time engineering, yeah, more of a struggle to try to get me in there. But yeah, very intrigued by this dev mode. I definitely want to try it out. Yeah, I think they have also added direct integrations with GitHub repos. So yeah. you can like uh, download those CSS files and add directly to the repos rather than... So you can sync it directly rather than sort of manually copy-pasting that. So I think they are going that direction. Cool. Well, Pranay, uh, thanks so much for the conversation. 
I'm definitely gonna check out Signals. Like I, I, I don't know if I have the quite use case for, it, but I'm also not building our our systems and our servers. You should try the tracing use case. I think the use case you mentioned should be able to be solved through tracing. So if you point one of your smart interns to to this, I think they should they should be able to figure this out because we have seen some some companies try Signals for like performance optimization, which is which is what problem we are trying to solve through that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to, to diving in. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 